Are you a tightwad about money? Then this is the episode for you, episode 92 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast, coming to you right now with a very special guest. Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now your host, Jason Lavoie. Welcome to episode 92 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. I am your host, as always, Jason Lavoy, a.k.a. the Divorce Resource Guy. And boy, do we have a good show for you today. We are talking about breaking your money silence. Now, what does that mean? That's why you're here. My guest and friend, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a.k.a. KBK, she is an expert on financial psychology. She is also an internationally published author and speaker, Breaking Money Silence, How to Shatter Money Taboos, Talk More Openly About Finances, and Live a Richer Life. That was her fifth book, and we're going to talk about that more. What it means to break money silence goes hand-in-hand to having successful communication in a divorce, and we're going to talk about it right now. So you can read more about Kathleen on the show notes. She's great, but I want to get right to my discussion with her. So stay tuned. It's starting right now. Kathleen, I'm so excited to have you on my show. How are you today? I am very good, Jason. It's exciting to be here. We're going to have fun breaking money silence. Yes, I know. I'm so excited to talk about it because I don't think a lot of people have heard that phrase used before, breaking money silence. I know I had it when I first met you, and but I love it because it makes perfect sense and it's so important and it's real. So let's just get right into it. What is breaking money silence? Breaking money silence has to do with talking more openly and honestly about money. And so I have worked in the wealth psychology space for over 15 years. And certainly we notice living in our society that a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about money. And so money silence is that uncomfortable feeling that many of us get talking about money. It could be the dollars and cents, but often we're really uncomfortable around how we feel about money, what we think about money. And if we make a mistake around money, often we feel a sense of shame. So money silence is is all that emotional stuff, that human side of finance. And breaking money silence is really uh, the idea of if we were given a roadmap and given the skills, we could talk more openly and honestly about money and we'd be a healthier society. Yeah. I mean, where does that come from, though, the whole fear about talking about money? Because you know, when we think about it, I know when I think about it, especially growing up, I mean, my family personally, I feel like they talked about money pretty openly, but, you know, there was always that, you know, my parents, if I, when I got older and I tried to ask them, well, you know, how much do you make? And, you know, they wouldn't go there. And then of course, now many people, you know, when you ask about, you know, how much do you make, just trying to compare and talk about money, you know, that's like taboo almost. And so, I'm trying to, where does that come from? Why, why is society like that? It's so interesting. You know, I wish I had an easy answer for that. I'd probably be a multi-billionaire if that was the case. <laughs> uh, however, in looking back in time, I really think it comes goes back to the king and the queen sitting in the castle. They have a whole bunch of gold in the basement. And if the kids know about the gold in the basement 
and they let somebody know they might be attacked. So I really think money silence started with mothers and fathers or parents saying, we want to protect our kids. We don't want them to know how much money we have or know much about money in that regard. And I think it came from a well-intended place. Unfortunately, that got passed down from generation to generation to generation. So most of us uh, didn't have a roadmap for engaging these conversations. And I love what you said, Jason, because even if you had a family that would talk about money, maybe would teach you about savings or, you know, in some families they talked about investing. Right. Often when it comes to salary, fee, pricing, what does it mean if you drive a more expensive car? What does it mean if you make more? Those kind of conversations get really awkward and uncomfortable pretty much across the board. And, and my guess is because that ties so much to what people think their self-worth is or how we kind of separate people out in society. I also think it's reinforced by a corporate culture that has told us, even though it's illegal, by the way, to do this, that we can't talk to our coworkers about our salaries. So it's complicated. That's so true. My wife is a corporate recruiter, and so we talk about that all the time. And you know, you can't you can't ask certain things in the interviews about how much you're currently making, and it it's taboo across the board, just like you said. Um, and I have this feeling, not based on any fact, of course, but, <laughs> or or research, but I have a feeling it's it's true that people you know associate money, whether they have a lot of it or not. Um, like with guilt or they're they're ashamed to say i'm a millionaire let's say for example or they're ashamed to say you know i'm living paycheck to paycheck or i have no savings or whatever it may be on both sides of that coin i feel like there's just there's either guilt or shame and it's just so interesting to me well and what we talk about or what i talk about a lot is this culture of money shame that we live in that goes across generations so if you look at, you know, boomers, baby boomers and Gen Xers, there's one survey that says it's something like 74% of boomers and Gen Xers are embarrassed about a financial mistake that they've made. And you might think, oh, that's just the older generation. But when you look at millennials, what you'll find is that about 81% of them hide the fact of what they're spending at restaurants from their financial advisors. And I have to intuit that's because they don't feel comfortable about it. And with women, 61% of women would rather talk about their own death than talk about finances with a friend. So that shame or that discomfort that you're picking up on, which does run across generations and socioeconomic uh, classes is part of the problem. And often I work with men and women at both ends of the spectrum and anywhere in between. And we always think somebody else has it figured out or is it doing it better. And I really think we're as sick as our secrets because if we talked about it, we'd realize, oh, everybody's a little kind of cuckoo when it comes to money <laughs> and everybody makes mistakes. It's whether you recover from those mistakes. And to recover from a mistake, you have to talk to somebody about money and learn something. So it's, it's this vicious cycle I think we're in that I'd love for us to get out of. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like that old saying, you know, uh, it's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up. Yes, absolutely. Is that close, it? It's close enough, Jason. Close enough. I like it. Thanks. <laughs> well, we're going to go with that one. But <laughs> and, and so you're here and this is why I love what you do, um, because your job and you're trying to break this taboo and this money silence, which is why I love that term. Um, now, obviously, this show and the people that I talk to are people going through divorce you know, it's a traumatic time in their life. 
Um, they're dealing with a lot of things and money is definitely one of them. Why is it that much more important for people going through a divorce, both men and women, to break that money silence? Well, I think when you're going through a difficult transition like a divorce, it is a time where in order to protect yourself and if you have any kids to protect your kids, it's important to be able to talk about money, to engage in these conversations as best you can. If you can't do that with the person that you're breaking up with, uh, maybe you can do that with your financial advisor or, or you know, someone like yourself who's coaching you through the process. Because what I find, especially with women in this case, is that if you don't talk about money and you don't get educated, women going through divorce tend to end up with less assets, less money, less income, and are making financial decisions that they think make sense, but in fact, they tend to be more emotional. So for instance, often women will say, I need to stay in the home, not because that's a financially better asset for me in the long run, but because I'm emotionally connected to that home. I totally get that. I'm emotionally connected to my home. But often what you'll hear from women down the line is, boy, looking back, that wasn't the best financial decision. Maybe I should have gone after you know, half of his or her pension. Um, and so breaking money silence and going through this transition go hand in hand. The good news is that when women and men do this, it tends to boost their financial confidence and also helps them in the next romantic relationship they have because now they're able to better talk about money. And not make the same mistakes. Yes. Why? Yep. To get back to your saying. Right. What was that saying? I don't remember <laughs> what your saying was, but to learn from how, your mistakes. How many times we get knocked down. Yeah. Um, so, right. And I'm always preaching that, you know, that you're going through a bad time now. You're getting divorced. It's it's It can be nasty. But, you know, you got to look to the future because one day it will be over. And we have your post-divorce life to think about. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think, tell me if you agree with this, Kathleen. I think that the money silence problem is not only going on between, let's say, the two spouses getting divorced. Um, and if the communication isn't good in the marriage, it's only going to be worse in the divorce uh, between the two. But mm -hmm. uh, it's also, I think, and I think you alluded to this, but the money silence problem between, let's say, you as the client and your team, whether it's me as a coach, your attorney, yes. and talking comfortably with them about finances. Yeah. So a lot of what I do is I not only coach men and women who are going through transitions or uncomfortable with money, I spend a lot of time training uh, advisors, professionals, you know, people like yourself to become more comfortable or figure out how they can coach their clients around money. Because you're right. If you're sitting there and you're working with a consultant or you're working with a financial advisor or you're working with someone like the resource guy and you aren't able to at least initiate the conversation, be able to explain, even if it's just, I'm uncomfortable talking about money, but I know we need to, right. that's a fine way to start a conversation that they won't get the data that they need in order to be as helpful. And so if you can take that small step, even to say, hey, I listened to your podcast, Jason, and this is an area that's hard for me, then, you know, let's get into it. And you get to take it at your own pace. Often people think if I talk about money, I have to disclose everything. Um, and that's not the case. The other place just before we move on that I want to highlight is that sometimes parents going through a divorce also really struggle with breaking money silence with their kids. You know, their economic status has changed and they still are trying to keep their kids in the same lifestyle. 
And often that can be challenging if they don't have the resources anymore. You know, the guilt around the divorce compounded with the shame and guilt around money silence. It, it's it's a double whammy. Yeah, that's so true. And, and I saw that when I practiced uh, as a divorce attorney, I saw that all the time. And it, it was sad because, you know, you're, you're going from one dual income household most of the time, uh, mm-hmm. let's say, and then you get divorced. And right now it's kind of two separate ones and they don't always regarding the children coincide anymore. Um, and then, so when you're talking about, let's say extracurricular activities and stuff like that, um, you know, maybe they just stop, you know, like soccer practice just stops for the child. They don't know exactly why. Mm -hmm. And the parents don't really explain it well either. Um, and so, right, I, I find that that's just one little example of that I can come up with. Right. The, the other the other side of it is I see a lot of parents who still pay for soccer camp that can't afford it because they don't want to have the conversation. The kid doesn't notice anything's different, which, you know, for a while, that's great. But then mom or dad isn't saving for retirement. And right. so, you know, you might be able to get a grant for soccer camp, but you can't get a grant for retirement. So it's really kind of it, it gets in the way of the long term financial health, too. Yeah, absolutely. And and then in looking way down the line, when retirement comes around and they're not really adequately prepared and their children are adults, and then they see their parents in that situation, that doesn't help either. Right. And then it's funny that and I don't want to get go down the therapy uh rabbit hole here, but you know, then the adult child starts feeling guilty and then the whole dynamic starts uh that way, and that's not good. Um, right. Well, so, I'm yeah. a recovered therapist. I practiced for 15 years, so I can go down that rabbit hole, but we don't have to. <laughs> I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because if I wasn't an attorney, I'd always say I'd be a therapist. Yeah. Um, it was that darn statistics class. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, but I agree with you uh, 100% uh, on that. Now, I, as you know, a divorce coach, I'm all about empowerment. Right. My my I see my role as part of the process is I try to empower people with all my knowledge as a divorce attorney, you know, so they understand and they're more confident going through this process. Do you find the same when you're talking and breaking money silence with people and working with them that that also is empowering for them? Absolutely. I think initially it can be a little scary, uh, especially with my one on one coaching clients. But what I find over time is that they often are very thankful that they've done the work. You know, we spend some time looking at their family money messages, their money history, and then move forward after we do that and really look at how do you want to be around money now? You get to decide. You're an adult. Just because you did it a certain way for 20, 30, 40 years, 60 years, doesn't mean you have to do this thing called money exactly the same way. So I do think it's very empowering. And anything I've ever done in my career it's always been important for me to educate and to empower people, to help them find their voice. So helping them find their voice around money and financial things, even if it's just knowing the right questions to ask their financial advisor or knowing the right questions to ask somebody who is helping them go through a divorce, that can be empowering in itself. And, uh, the fun part is that I see it trickle down. Like I have a client right now who's a teacher. And the other day I, you know, checked in, what do you think you're getting from coaching? And, you know, she listed off her items, but she also said, I'm teaching my class differently around money. And I thought, cool, because that is the thing that's going to break money silence in the long term is for it to have that ripple effect. 
Yeah, it's funny. I was trying to come up with that with that analogy, ripple effect, and I'm thinking, and this is bad, but I was thinking like like a virus spreads. <laughs> but, but I like virus... a pebble. I like a pebble in a pond that spreads out. That's just much more relaxing, right? I'm like virus. I'm like that doesn't sound very good. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's why I think you and I get along so well because we approach what we do uh, in our own little niches the same way. You know, empowerment. I help people, you know, figure out the right questions to ask their attorney um, if they're, you know, have hesitancy talking and communicating with them. So, yeah, I I think it works well. But I wanted to ask you, because sometimes when I coach my clients, you know, from a divorce as a divorce coach, um, you know, you, you go through the process, we're coaching, and then all of a sudden there's this light bulb moment and it, something clicks with them and you see it. Right. And you're like, ah, that's it. Do you have that with your clients? And when when would that be? When can you give an example? Oh, that's a great question. I do have that with their clients. You know, I'll be honest, it's not every session, but that's I no, think no, it could be like in a over a three or six month period of time. It's right. just that something happens and it's like, ah, they get it. Yes. I think a lot of times people going through the process, I do this family money questionnaire. And it takes them from when they were younger, when they had their first job, uh, you know, how they relate with money now. It kind of takes them through this process and we engage in and really talk about it. And we look at their family tree and how money messages are passed down. And often that's a time of their initial aha of like, oh, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm not overspending because I'm crazy or I'm not over saving because I'm nuts. It's like, I learned that and that goes back generations. So there's that aha of like, oh, it makes sense. I also think it's really fun when you watch people, especially I do a group around uh, women in negotiating and it's a masterclass on negotiating their salary. And we just had a reunion, so to speak. And so it's so fun to see these group of women who have gone through this experience together three to six months later continuing to set limits, to ask for what they're worth, to communicate uh, their value. And I often see in my group experiences, the ahas that happen between them. So it's facilitating a process. So, so they're sharing something. So that's really neat as well. I love that. Talk for a minute since we're kind of talked about it and mentioned it a couple of times, and I don't want to forget, you do, you work with people in group settings and individual settings. Talk about the differences and, and what's involved in each. Sure. So I do individual coaching and I also do what's called a master class. So uh, both are virtual at this point and probably will remain virtual because I really like being able to work with people across the country. Yep. Uh, the difference is with, with individual, I think the advantage is you get that individualized attention. We really take a deep dive into your relationship with money and you uh, have my full attention. I think with the master class, right now I have one around negotiating. Eventually I'll have other ones as well. Uh, with the master class, it's a blend. So it has to do with how you like to learn. So it's a blend between videos and self-study. Uh, you do still get some one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, but not as intensive. And we also have a series of group sessions. And I think group work can really be helpful because I can say something to you, Jason, and you can agree or not agree and go off in your life. But it's really powerful when somebody who's in a similar situation from you may have a different job, may have a different title and go, oh yeah, I do that too. Or, hey, have you thought about that? 
So I think that's the main difference with the masterclass is you get that group experience and you get a little less of me, but I think the trade-off is you just get a different experience. And sometimes people will go through the masterclass and then they'll do some one-on-one. So those are the, the ways in which I think it's different. Yeah. And I think it's great that you do that too. I do the same thing. I have a group program and individual program and there's something about that community aspect of the group program, right? That people, yes. again, dealing with a, to- a difficult subject, whether it's money or divorce, when they're with other people in a supportive environment going through a, a tough situation, it's powerful you know, that they can rely on those people because if you have a question, odds are somebody has the same question. Or I don't know about you, but and everybody's different, but like I learn by listening to other people's examples or you know, um, I was always, I guess, a visual learner in school. And so I had to yeah. see it or or hear it. And like, that really helps me out. And I think that helps a lot of people out when they hear other people's stories um, about what they're going through. And even if it's not exactly, you know, directly on point, it, it, it just helps. Well, the other thing is, so my whole mission is to break money silence. So I'm bringing these groups of people together to talk about money. Now, the negotiation one is a slice of money, but it opens up to other companies. And so just the act of you're practicing breaking money silence by being in this group and they're small groups. So it's not overwhelming. Right. You know, when I'm presenting in front of a large crowd, um, which I do a lot of training as well, you know, we do interactive exercises and I purposely pair people in smaller groups because I do know that this can be a hard thing to talk about. So I don't want to expose them to like, oh, tell your deepest, darkest secrets to the, you know, thousand people in this room. <laughs> but I think anytime people can practice just engaging in these conversations, especially with not family members, not your own kids, sometimes that's a less scary place to start. Yeah, I know. Isn't that funny? That yeah. you would think it would be the opposite, but no, I could see that. No, not with money. Not with a lot of things, I think, but not with money for <laughs> sure. We're afraid of our own family. <laughs> yeah, well, they're good people, but they know our weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And they'll exploit them. <laughs> so, all right. So I told you this would go by fast. Um, but before we wrap up, I want to get some, not that you haven't been dropping golden nuggets all this whole time, but what are some good tips that you can give to people, um, you know, either going through a divorce or really just a tough time on how to break money silence? I think the first thing, if you're going through a divorce, is to start by just thinking about what are some of the messages that you grew up with? Like, what were you taught about uh, gender roles in a marriage and who should be making the money, who should be managing the money? You know, if you thought about money in your relationship, you know, what did you learn growing up about fighting about money? Was that something you did? Was that something you avoided? And what do you want to teach your kids? Or if you don't have kids like me, what would you want to teach the next generation, whether it's somebody in niece and nephew or you're mentoring somebody about money? And so you do a little bit of a self-reflective work to really think about where you've been and what you'd like to pass on. And then to engage in a money conversation, I would start small and I would start with somebody who's incredibly safe. So this isn't calling out the person you're divorcing and deciding we're going to have a money conversation right here and now. Right. It is more <laughs> like reaching out to you, Jason, and saying, you know, I want to practice having a money conversation. Or if you have a girlfriend saying, hey, I listened to this podcast and it was about breaking money silence. We've never talked about money. I wonder why that is. That is a money conversation. So there's a lot of ways to do it. So do a little self-reflection start with somebody safe and take it small. And each time you have a money conversation, 
even if it's very small, celebrate it. Because the more we celebrate it, the more we pair having a money conversation with something positive and the better we feel about it. You know, it doesn't always have to go beautifully. It just has to mean that you've invited someone to talk about finances. Right. And I think I think you, you hit it on the nail on the head. It's not about, you know, just um, like opening up the floodgates and letting it all yeah. out at, the, at one time. It's little, little, little bits of progression, right? Talking about just talking about money generally um, can, and feeling safe about it. And then, you know, seeing where that goes. Um, well, yeah. and, and I usually say, hey, blame me or now you can blame Jason. Right. You know, share the podcast and go, hey, this is all about a topic that we've never talked about. And then you can talk about the podcast. That's less threatening than talking about each other's money relationships or talking about what you make. Or, there's a lot of creative, interesting ways. And I talk about this in my book, Breaking Money Silence, where you can initiate these conversations. They don't have to be these deep, dark, you know, what are you going to inherit and how much do you make? And it, it, we don't need to start there. If you want to start there, great, but we, we don't need to start there. No, everybody listening, start with the podcast. Be like, I heard this podcast with Kathleen and Jason. What do you think about this? <laughs> right? No, seriously, I think that's a great a, a great transition. So before I wrap up, tell everybody about your book, Breaking Money Silence, and tell them where they can find you, learn more about you, and all sure. that. Sure. All that jazz. Again, my name is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. Uh, I am a wealth uh, psychology expert. And you can go to my website at breakingmoneysilence.com. And so you don't forget that my fifth book is called Breaking Money Silence. And I also have a podcast called Breaking Money Silence. Do you see the theme? And it's all on my website. So again, breakingmoneysilence.com. The one thing I want to say before I go is I do have an absolutely free offer. And you just go to my homepage. You sign up for 52 Money Talk Tips. Every week, you get a very small paragraph that gives you an idea for how do you have a creative money conversation and it comes to your email box. I do that for 52 weeks. I am not upselling you. I am not bombarding you with other things. I'm really just helping you break money silence in new and creative ways. So check that out, subscribe. You can always unsubscribe if you say, oh, this isn't what I wanted. Um, but often I hear really good feedback on those money talk tips. So take advantage of that. Yeah, I have a feeling people get a taste they're not gonna unsubscribe. In fact, <laughs> I'm gonna do it. So. <laughs> Excellent. That'd be great. I got one new subscriber, but it's all part of my mission. The more people talking, the better. It doesn't have to be me breaking money silence. It really has to be everybody taking a risk to join the breaking money silence revolutionary. Yeah, revolution. I love it. And, and it's revolution. I misspoke. Breaking money silence revolution. Because, you know, I thought I'd start a revolution because that's a, a small goal, right? Small doable. Well, goal. that is revolutionary. <laughs> thank you thank you for the save jason it's been so that? fun to chat i do see what you did <laughs> i got your back <laughs> <laughs> kathleen thank you so much this was you know tons of fun as i knew it would be and we'll have to have you on again and we'll continue the discussion well thank you very much for the conversation and i look forward to the next time we get to chat all right there you go so i hope that you now have a better understanding of what it means to break your money silence and why it's so important to be able to communicate about money with your relationships, your spouses, uh, partners, uh, whomever really, because the more we feel comfortable about speaking about topics like money and finances, the better your communication will be uh, down the road and in the big picture. And that's what we all are talking about, especially in divorce, is 
you know, big picture, your future, your next relationship. There will be other relationships, maybe not romantic ones, but even intimate or uh, just, you know, what I mean is deep, like a deep relationship, right? Important, more than a platonic friend. Although those are important too. So the point I'm trying to make before I continue babbling on here is I hope you found this useful. I hope you check out more about Kathleen uh, and what she does and check out her book, her free offer, and the whole kit and caboodle. Okay? I haven't said that word in a long time, kit and caboodle. I'm glad I fit it in here. So for now, if you're looking for help with your divorce and you're looking for a coach like myself, check me out. Jason at jasonlavoy.com is how you can reach me. My website, jasonlavoy.com. Also, if you like what you're hearing in the podcast, Please subscribe. You get all free episodes when they come out. And if you feel so inclined, I would love it if you left a kind review for me on iTunes as it does help spread the word. For now, all I want you to do is be strong, act confident, and stay positive. I'm Jason Lavoy, a.k.a. The Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be talking to you real soon.